Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined by the legislature's top two people on transportation, Senator Joseph Boncori of Winthrop and Representative William Strauss of Mattapoiset, the chairs of the Transportation Committee. Welcome to both of you. My pleasure. Thanks for having us, Bruce. Let me set the stage here. We're at a very uncertain time. The pandemic is not over yet, but there is growing hope that the worst may be behind us and we may be headed for what some are calling a new normal, even though no one is quite sure what that is. In transportation, the pre-pandemic period was characterized by, I have to say, congestion. Most of that congestion vanished over the last year. And now I'm guessing you folks are trying to plan for what comes next. Take a minute and give us a sense of what you think the next few years will look like in transportation. Representative Strauss, do you want to start us off? Sure. And, and thank you again uh, to Commonwealth and to, to you, Bruce. And, and it's always a pleasure to be in this format, and especially with my colleague, uh, Senator Boncori, uh, as we have the honor of uh, being back this session as co-chairs. Uh, new normal is an overused phrase already, but uh, we can certainly see something of the, the indications, I think, on the transportation front. Uh, you're right, uh, congestion is down, particularly uh, during what people think of as uh, the rush uh, hours uh, in, the, in the Boston area, especially. But uh, one of the things from the information I've gotten from uh, Mass Highway lately is, uh, at least with cars and trucks, the volume is back at almost 80 to 90%. It's just occurring all around the state. So people are driving around. They're just not doing it in the same patterns. And I, interestingly, the area that is coming back the slowest is actually in the immediate Boston area. So the cars that bunched into the city uh, to limit it to, or, or within 128 uh, pre-COVID, uh, are moving around, but they're moving around in different places. So uh, lots of cars are moving, as I say, 80 to 90% already of where we were before. Uh, so uh, gas is being consumed. Impact on, on roads and bridges is occurring just in different ways. And so that's got to be part of the mix. And uh, certainly from the legislative standpoint, and I'll cut it off there, um, as uh, one of our former colleagues, uh, Senator McGee, always used to say, every year is transportation year at the legislature, and this year will be no different. Senator, you want to go? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, just piggybacking on, I, I actually talked to Mayor McGee yesterday, and he said to me, oh, it's going to be a great year for transportation policy. <laughs> and I said, you know, it certainly is. And we've certainly seen, you know, in this pandemic, uh, you know, transportation um, Take a, take a different look. Um, obviously, there's more people, you know, across the state uh, that are working from home. Uh, so the peak hour commute, you know, isn't the same. Uh, but we also know, I think, was what Chairman Strauss was talking about, is that it, the traffic is coming back in different ways. Uh, and we can rest assured that we will see traffic come back uh, as we build out of this um, as we build into, I guess, the new normal um, and build ourselves out of this pandemic. So I think we can expect traffic to come back first. Um, and I think public transit um, may statewide, it may take a little longer to rebuild to where we were pre-pandemic. But I can tell you, in the city of Boston, 
uh, on the blue line where I live. Um, you know, people who don't have cars, our frontline workers, our emergency workers, they are still using public transit now and they rely on it most. So while the increase of car use outside the district is certainly, you know, concerning for greenhouse gas emissions, um, you know, we still have the same goals or should have the same goals, I think, uh, coming out of this pandemic uh, to build a system that is more equitable, more accessible, and more, and more resilient uh, for our climate goals. So, Senator, you filed last month a piece of legislation dealing with a, a very broad piece of legislation dealing with transportation. Could you uh, sort of sum up for our listeners what, what you've included in that bill and how it fits with that vision you, you've just talked about? Yeah, you know, you know, absolutely. The Transportation New Deal, uh, as we're calling, calling it, represents the policies that I think we must undertake uh, to modernize our transportation system and ensure that we're beginning to look at public transit as a public good. And I think we need to shift the paradigm um, on how we've looked at public transportation um, in this Commonwealth for far too long. So the policies in, included in this bill are built on those goals I was just talking to, uh, you know, goals of equity, making our system more equitable, uh, making public transit more accessible, uh, and reducing our carbon footprint, making the system more resilient. And I think the, transit, the Transportation New Deal uh, is really a starting point. It's a transit map of all our goals, and it recognizes that uh, the initial set of policies we must undertake to move Massachusetts forward, uh, really to modernize the system, as I said before, and, in, and ensure that we have regional equity on the system, you know, that we have socioeconomic equity uh, for those who use our transit system. So, yeah, I know you asked for some specifics on what the bill includes. Um, you know, we're going to ensure or attempt to ensure through this bill that, you know, everyone has adequate a access to public transit, including, by, you know, fare-free buses on the MBTA system and the RTA. Uh, we want to continue talking about um, something that the chairman and I, you know, put forth in the legislature uh, last year um, during the end of the year, which, uh, which was low-income low fares on, on, on the MBTA system generally. Um, I also propose that we fare-freeze the MBTA for five years. Uh, that we begin to pilot uh, commuter rail fares, um, you know, different fares for, fares for commuter rail on off-peak hours. So people begin to look at commuter rail uh, as just not a way into the city uh, in the morning and a way out in the evening. Uh, but for workers who are coming in on the commuter rail, if their parents get sick or their child needs to be picked up from school, you know, we have frequent all-day service. Uh, that we can trend, that we can, that they can get home on if need be, and of course we want to you know uh, pilot late night service on the MBTA and expand parking at commuter rail set, uh, stations to kind of move towards a more hub and spoke uh, transportation model where people aren't driving all the way into the most congested area in the entire country, and that being Greater Boston. Uh, but they make that they we can incentivize people uh, to drive to a commuter rail, have a parking spot, get on the get on the the train and work their the rest of the way in. Um, so those are some of the policy proposals. I mean, it obviously includes you know other things like parking surcharges and regional ballot initiatives, as well as toll equity um, and creating a roadway task force uh, to look at into things that I've been talking about for some time now, including roadway and congestion pricing, uh, and really more toll equity across the Commonwealth. So, so it's a long bill, Bruce. It's about 48 pages long, and uh, those are some of the highlights. So, um, and I know in there, um, 
this is a segue, in there is a proposal to increase, increase the gas tax too, presumably to fund some of these initiatives. Um, now that's something representative that the House passed last year, uh, along with some other measures. How, what's your reaction to this bill? I, I know you've had a chance to think about it a little bit. Is it for you, yep, that's it, we're going with that, or is it a good starting point, or, or how do you see it? Well, uh, I, I, uh, I really appreciate that um, um, the Senate is, is jumping in clearly this session. Uh, last year was uh, a, a unique one in so many ways, but often going back to the emergency impacts that we had to deal with with COVID. Uh, when the House put its uh, plan out there um, and uh, we didn't have a name, we just said we got to pay for transportation. So we did a bill, two bills last March and then COVID hit. And um, as the co-chair points out, in conference committee, we, we were able, both bodies, to take on some of these issues. Uh, unfortunately, all of the good things that deal with the kind of issues uh, the Senator is talking about uh, were, were vetoed by the governor, but we can get back to that in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I absolutely agree with my co-chair that transportation, uh, whether, and to me, it's all public transportation, whether it's the roads uh, or the subways or the, uh, the buses or commuter rail is really all part of our public transportation system. We just all, we utilize it in different ways. So uh, uh, I'm excited that the bill has the aspirational uh, things that everyone wants in uh, imagining what the perfect transportation system will be. But uh, so many of the things there cost a lot more than even the 12 cents or uh, the, the, the gas tax numbers that are in there. Uh, and that's always the trick. But uh, building on what the House did with uh, revenue last session, uh, I'm taking the bill as an indication that Senate, uh, because my co-chair is also in on the leadership meetings on the Senate side, that this reflects broadly the Senate's desire this session to engage with the House on uh, not just what the transportation system should look like, but we have to begin the discussion of how to pay for it. Uh, and on just one point, the one that Bruce, you identified, the, um, and, the, and, and uh, Senator Boncori identifies, making the buses free, and also elsewhere in the bill suggesting that all modes of not just the T, but the regional transit authorities uh, might end up being free. That's a multi-billion dollar issue. Uh, and so everyone likes free, but if transportation is a public good, I always have described it as a, as a, as a utility in a sense. It's as vital as electric and water and, and the other and communications uh, utilities. And there's a cost whether we acknowledge it or not. So if you say to one part of the system, those who get on the bus or the subway, uh, your ride is free. The cost of providing that did not simply disappear. And again, with regard to the T, the fare box uh, system-wide is just under uh, $700 million a year. Uh, if we had to have free buses, uh, bus service in the RTAs, 
it would require a 40% jump in what the state now provides as annual contract assistance to the RTAs. So uh, it's important to focus on the goals. It's equally important, if not more, to focus on uh, how, do you, how do you get there? And, uh, and that's probably gonna be the kind of legislative discussions that we're prepared for. We have history, uh, certainly the Senator and I in, in working through these. So uh, I'm optimistic, even though uh, clearly we're gonna have some, some disagreements in how to get there. Senator, let me ask you a few questions, sort of riffing off that. First off, is the representative right that the filing of this bill is more than it's your bill. It's sort of a Senate take on where we're going or how would you describe it? I, you know, I would say, you know, we're excited to hear, hear like, you know, of course is that the co-chairs values are aligned uh, with some of the priorities in this bill. I mean, this bill is the Senate Transportation Committee uh, chairman's, you know, take on, you know, what really the needs are to modernize our transportation system uh, across the state. It's, it's come from a lot of work and meetings with uh, the advocacy community, uh, low-income communities, obviously the Senate's Transportation Working Group um, to get to where we are. And it really is, it is a, a broad set of the values, um, you know, the Senate believes, um, you know, we need to make our system a more equitable, uh, more equitable system. And so when you talk about um, free bus service, I'm just sort of curious how that works in a way, because it, it's actually, it's an interesting idea that has bubbled up in just the last few years. Maybe it was in the, all the rage sometime before, but in the last few years, people and more and more have started to talk about this. And I, I, I'm sort of, it seems like you've elevated it to a whole new level with this legislation. And I was curious, what happened? Is it, you think it's the right time right now? You know, you know, we've been looking at the system. Uh, we've been looking at looking at the inequities in the system, uh, and we believe buses are the most equitable form of public transportation that we use, um, and that constituents use. Um, you know, people across the Commonwealth use. Uh, so we felt like this could bring the most equity to the system. And I want to talk about it. It's not just free buses. I mean, I'm acutely aware uh, of the cost of of doing this, and we call it fare-free buses. Um, because it really, uh, on the MBTA and the RTA buses, it is a critical step to ensuring equity and access to public transit. You know, before COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic hit, half of all commuters on MBTA buses were people of color. And almost half of those commuters uh, were low income or on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale in Massachusetts. Now, in the midst of this pandemic, we need to ensure that these people uh, have transit access. They rely on it most. So pricing low-income commuters out of affordable public tra transit, I just think is antithetical anti to, to our goals of ensuring public transit is a public good. Uh, so, you know, not only will this help people who are out of work um, not have to worry about what the cost of the bus is, and it won't have to, and now, you know, single mothers, single fathers, um, you know, who don't have T-access, who rely solely on the bus uh, as a way of getting their groceries, uh, who may be out of work, won't have to worry about the cost um, of moving about the Commonwealth. So there are, there are those goals, um, obviously free buses and getting more people out of their cars and onto the bus system um, would lead to, you know, less congestion on our roadways. Uh, and it also benefits sustainability. 
um, you know, in reducing our carbon footprint um, and greater efficiencies on our buses too, if, if people can just get on and off uh, without paying. If I could, this is a, a great comparison and, and maybe a civics point also as to a reminder how the legislature is populated with people from districts from all around the state. Uh, my district includes New Bedford, uh, which is among the uh, hardest hit uh, in, in terms of uh, economic impacts and a very diverse uh, ethnic population uh, as well. And I, I have to resist the notion, even though we have a, a regional transit authority, which does a, a very good job, uh, please, no one should take the, the point that uh, there are, that the people who drive cars are all uniformly well off. Uh, uh, so much of the working poor uh, live in uh, uh, remote areas or even urban areas and that car uh, is, is how they get around. So that's why when the House did its, um, uh, its revenue piece, it focused in part on the gas tax, uh, but also on corporate excise taxes, on car rental fees, on TNC fees. Uh, it was balanced. But one of the things I do see in the Senate bill, and this is uh, the point of these kind of discussions, is it's, it's a uh, proposes a much larger increase in gas tax than the House had done before. Uh, and so while offering uh, a, um, uh, a very um, positive approach to the notion of, of uh, free fares, but let's remember this, that the balance that you end up as a result of if you just took the Senate proposal as a whole is you're asking the working poor and anyone else who, who buys gasoline to bear the bigger share of the cost without recognizing that people travel all modes who come from all economic strata throughout the state. So uh, one of the things has to be a balance here. Uh, if we could do uh, cheaper gas, uh, of course, everyone would like that too. Uh, so. Again, the system has a certain cost and you can't, in the name of equity, inequitably uh, visit the cost on only one part of the traveling public. Uh, and that's, that's uh, part of the dynamic I see here. Uh, so uh, the goal when you talk about free fares, the approach I've taken is uh, with the buses, because you, you mentioned, Bruce, how this has grown. When you look around the country, uh, you can do free, fair public transit systems that are targeted based on uh, promoting a certain um, uh, district or area. And, and those have worked, I'm thinking uh, right now in, in, uh, in the Denver area. So you can have, you can make use of a, a free, fair system, but it's tied into some other things that are going on either in a neighborhood or a business district, something like that, uh, to uniformly say no fares occur anymore, that's a difficult one because of the obvious cost impacts here uh, that we really don't have the numbers on. But I can say based on revenue that comes in and the capital needs that would be represented, we'd have to come up with at least, uh, well, in excess of a billion dollars a year by my initial count uh, in order to make this transition. 
And unless people are proposing, and, and that's a tough number to come up with for just transportation, unless people have a, a revenue package in that realm, uh, this is going to be a, a heavy lift. So, Senator, um, the representative is calling it a heavy lift. And um, I'm, I guess my reaction is it's, it's, a, it's a big proposal in, a, in all respects, um, in part because, as you probably know, the T is now spending, I think, close to a billion dollars to change the way it collects fares. Um, and so the Baker administration, at least, is full on board with fares. So this is a, would be a, a very interesting but dramatic change in the way we do business. And maybe you want to, I want to give you a chance to respond. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I'd love to respond. I mean, I think this bill, um, I'd have to disagree. I think this bill takes a statewide approach. Uh, it's not just about Embry improving the MBTA, but it's about improving the entire transportation system. Um, and of course, there's a cost of that. Uh, but there's a cost that for too long, our constituents and riders of this Commonwealth have borne. And that's the cost of doing nothing. And we can't continue to hide behind the cost of what, of what things actually cost. Uh, and we need to be able to build out of this pandemic. Uh, we need to make our transit system a more equitable one. And we're going to have to absorb the cost. Now, my understanding of the cost of making free, fare-free buses um, is about 60 to $90 million a year. Uh, that would free the, you know, the fare on the buses in the MBTA system and on the RTA system. Um, so I'm concerned about, you know, uh, others thinking it, it's, it can be a billion dollar cost because I just don't see it, um, you know, that way. And to your point, Bruce, I mean, you know, we're spending a billion dollars uh, to collect these fares. Um, and, you know, no one's really batting an eyelash. And that program has now been delayed. Uh, the costs have come, gone up on that, on, on what it's going to cost to do that. And we you know we're spending a billion dollars on just collecting fares, and no one's talking about that. Where on the higher higher end of where I see this cost is about sixty million dollars a year. Um, so, you know, I think we, you know, this is why we file um, bills at the beginning of the session. Um, I, you know, I'm not under the impression, and you know, I'm sure the chairman would agree with me. You know, we rarely see a bill as it's filed be signed by the governor, right? And that's what the legislative process is. Uh, we'll engage in these conversations uh, with all parties that want to have these conversations, uh, the House, the Senate, um, certainly, um, you know, with the administration, um, with MassDOT, the MBTA, as this bill, bill moves along. Uh, but I got to say, you know, it's time in public transportation and in our transportation system that we change the paradigm on how we think of these things. Um, and, you know, something's got to change because what the product we're putting out as a Commonwealth is not good enough. And the people of this Commonwealth deserve more. For too long, you know, you know, what's the cost associated? I have to ask. Uh, associated with our roads, uh, and you know, those are those are fare free. Uh, you know, no one's you know p paying user fees on our roads. Um, you know, so I think there's ways we can kind of reconcile with that. I've been a longtime proponent of um, you know congestion charges and um, you know sort of toll equity across the Commonwealth. Um, you know peak hour uh, pricing on our roadways, I think is something we could do to address that. Um, but, you know, the cost on this, I want to be clear, is 30 to $60 million. Uh, even when we consider paratransit uh, and the cost of that, it will bring the cost up a little bit. Uh, but we're not looking at a billion dollar proposal. The only billion dollar proposal 
on on the table right now is a proposal to begin to collect fares um, anyway. Uh, if I could, a couple of quick points. Uh, look, in, in, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the MBTA's uh, revenue source sheet from 2019. Bus revenue alone was 97 million. So that tells you just for free buses, it's a hit right there. And then under federal regulations, when you talk about uh, paratransit, those fares are linked to uh, the paratransit, the ride service, those fares are linked to uh, what the fares are elsewhere in your system. So you have to give up the ride, uh, paratransit uh, fares as well uh, on uh, subways because inevitably this, this extends beyond buses. Those of the same means who ride the subway are gonna look at free buses and say, where's the, the logical argument? And there, that's 300 million a year in fares on subways alone. We haven't talked about the, the regional transit authority. Uh, is there an excise tax on the roads? Of course there is, it's called the gas tax. Uh, it goes into the transportation trust fund and that's uh, the main source uh, of how we pay for the roads and bridges and, and provide the chapter 90 funding. But I didn't want to, I, I do want to indicate uh, how much in the bill represents what we already do agree on the House and Senate, because there, uh, we haven't talked about it. Uh, we came up with some very detailed compromises last session. Again, the governor didn't like them, but maybe uh, we'll have uh, a different outcome this time with a longer schedule. But uh, on uh, TNC, Uber and Lyft fees, um, we're, we're, we have an agreement uh, that the House and Senate have been on. and. On this issue, we're both in agreement, uh, both chambers, on uh, some sort of fair uh, reduction program for those in need within the T service area. And we came up with a dedicated uh, uh, source of money for that in the TNC uh, terms we came to. We also came to agreement on the so-called transit uh, transportation climate initiative revenue that uh, as derived from motor fuel taxes and fees under the state constitution, the House and Senate are on record and the governor vetoed it, uh, that this money has to be spent on transportation. The governor is much more interested, it seems, in diverting some of the transportation money into important environmental projects, but, but you can't do that uh, under the state constitution. So. There's a lot we agree on. Uh, clearly, you've, you've drawn out of us without too much prodding, Bruce, uh, where we have disagreements on, on some of these revenue issues. But as my co-chair uh, points out, that's part of the le legislative process, uh, ultimately to come to a consensus uh, and then uh, bring the governor on board when we can. Yeah. Bruce, if I could just chime in here, I, I, I do want to agree. I think we absolutely have a shared vision uh, the chairman and I on where Massachusetts need to be on TNC fees, on low-income fares, and other similar and like policies. Um, you know, and I'm excited this 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 bill has prompted these conversations um, around the transportation world across the Commonwealth, um, and it's kind of generating some buzz because um, you know that's the intent. But I must say, you know, we cannot. You know, paratransit has come up often, right? And I think it's kind of unacceptable and insensitive uh, to use those who utilize public transit as an excuse. And I'm not saying anyone's doing that. I've seen 
I've seen the MBTA and the administration do this and put out the fact that, well, we need to pay for paratransit so we can't have free buses or fare-free buses. Um, and I think that's the wrong way of looking at that. I think we do need a paradigm shift. Uh, more so on that point, it's not a one-for-one. Uh, it's not as though if, uh, if we have a fare-free bus uh, that every ride on the ride is, is going to have to be free. Uh, the federal government uh, and the American Disabilities Act says on, you know, you have to you have to provide the same ride for those on, on in paratransit that have utilized on a on a fa on a bus. So if there's a bus system and the bus is going along a route and someone in paratransit wants to go along that route, that's what the state needs to provide as a uh, as a one to one payoff. But we you know, we know that the cost of paratransit is more utilized than on just on you know, common bus routes. So we know that the cost of paratransit, um, you know, is bore across the state by people who are going to doctor's appointments, going to grocery stores, and going places that are outside the, the cost. And we haven't had the conversation. The NBTA sort of has been unwilling to have the conversation of what the actual cost is uh, if we, if for paratransit in, to be included on this proposal. Um, because it's not a one-to-one, -one, well, all paratransit must be free now. Um, and, you know, there are federal subsidies we get for paratransit and other things that are part of this conversation. Uh, but it's, it's, a very, it's a very involved conversation. It's a very in-the-weeds conversation. Um, and we just need to be willing this session to have that conversation and so many more uh, to build our public transportation into what it needs to be. Well, with that, I think our listeners are getting a sense of what the debate is going to be in the Transportation Committee uh, as we move forward. And it's going to be an in a very interesting one to watch, maybe the, the most interesting in a long time. And, and that's saying something, actually. So I want to thank you, uh, Representative Strauss, Senator Boncori. Thanks for joining us today. And My pleasure. And Senator, thank you. And uh, I look forward to having another conversation down the road when you guys shake hands and reach an agreement on, on what we need to do. Thanks very of much. Of course. Of course. Sounds good. Be well, Bruce. And to our listeners, thanks for listening this week. And we'll see you again next week for another edition of the podcast.